Here we go, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, I really hope you like it. Merry Christmas to you and to yours. I hope you are already in the Christmas spirit. And if not, we here at the Matthew West Podcast Workshop, um, all of Santa's helpers, we are working around the clock to make sure that every episode is as festive as possible. Um, how are we doing that, you might ask? Well, we will be releasing not one episode per week in the month of December, but two. We're going to launch, and we already have launched, a We Need Christmas devotional series of bonus episodes. So be sure to check your local listings or wherever you listen to the podcast, however you listen. I've written some devotionals around the theme of we need Christmas, we need love, we need peace, we need hope, we need joy. Can I get an amen? So I hope you're going to love these new bonus episodes of the podcast, in addition to our weekly Wednesday podcast, of course, where I've got some great guests coming to you in the month of December, starting with today. I'm so fired up. Oh, let's see. Uh, Today we are in rehearsals, actually. Our band is getting ready for the Christmas tour. The We Need Christmas Tour is playing Eight shows, really, actually nine shows tonight in uh, Tennessee. Then uh, we will be December 9th in Andrews, Texas, the 10th, San Angelo, Texas, the 11th, Houston, Texas, 12th, San Antonio, and then the 16th in Aiken, South Carolina, Noonan, Georgia, Dothan, Alabama, and Opelika, Alabama. Those are the eight Christmas shows on the We Need Christmas Tour. But guess what, my, my guys, almost called you my guys, guess what, my friends? We are doing a special virtual concert for all of those who cannot attend in person. Come on. Are you fired up for another virtual show that we need Christmas live from Nashville? It's going to be taking place December 21st through the 25th, the entire week of Christmas. You can gather with your family and friends. Watch it from the uh, comfort of your own home, front of the fireplace, whatever. Get ready. It's going to be awesome. And as a podcast listener, you're going to get a special $5 discount off of your ticket. When you go to MatthewWest.com at checkout, you will use the code WESTPOLE, not North Pole, West Pole, and you'll get 5 bucks off your ticket. So you're welcome. Lots of good things to be talking about. I hope you're loving the new Christmas album, too. We are making sure everybody knows that if you're going to MatthewWest.com to order Christmas gifts for your friends and family, you need to do that quickly because uh, with all the shipping delays happening, we don't want anybody to come up empty on Christmas. So if you're looking for uh, the merch, make sure you order it early, okay? All right, that's enough for the announcements, although those are good things. I hope those don't wear you out, and I'm, I'm excited about all that stuff. That's why I want to share it with all of you. So let's get into today's show. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. My guest today is the creator of The Chosen series. This guy has a brilliant mind. 
and he's got an amazing calling on his life. And today we're going to find out what has led him to where he is today, creating the largest ever crowdfunded television series. It has been viewed hundreds of millions of times, and it is so life impacting to watch uh, the scripture come to life by watching the chosen series. Without further ado, let's go to the story house with the great Dallas Jenkins. You just uh, accused me, or not, you didn't accuse me of being ADD, but you, you're making a, a hypothesis, if you will, that me being a musician, that I might have some form of ADD. Is that, are you speaking from experience yourself? I'm speaking from experience with 98.7% of all the musicians that I've been friends with. I'm uh, speaking with experience of my own self, okay. uh, recognizing the signs. And then I'm speaking with experience of having listened to some of your podcast and watched you on stage at the Caleb Fan Awards and all of the above and going, I'm going to take a wild shot in the dark here. And... Uh, and say, and say that this guy's all over the place. He's got some traces of it. I'm just, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think it's a, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school to, to assert that this might be the case. Well, I just want to say thank you because you're saving me uh, an appointment at, at my therapist's office, because if you can diagnose me and help me become a better version of me by the end of today's interview, then send me a bill. I, I would gladly accept your counsel. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the, that's the goal with all these interviews. So good. Dallas Jenkins, it's an honor to be talking to you for real. I mean, thank you for joining me. I've actually been looking forward to this. I listened to the one that you did with my dad and it was- You did? It was, yeah, it was really enjoyable. And um, I thought, I, the, the only time I've ever actually met you is at the Caleb Fan Awards this year. Yes. Yeah. And uh, one of the things my wife and I said to each other quite early on in the awards program, because I was expecting, I hadn't actually been to one of those before, and uh, I, I wasn't expecting much. And you, you're fantastic. Like- you're just so watchable and listenable and funny and legit funny and uh, entertaining and all of the above. It's, it was a cornucopia of delights. So I, <laughs> uh, I just want to commend you on that. So I, I was actually looking forward to this. I've, I just got literally, four, I, I've just been driving four hours from another part of Texas from a speaking engagement I had. I had to hustle home, get home, get here to do this. And I was like, this is actually something good to come home to. I'm, I'm, I was looking forward to it. So it's all downhill from here, I'm sure, but I was looking forward to it. <laughs> I just want you to know, if you hear any typing right now, it's my publicist in the background adding cornucopia of delight to my bio. And is that okay if we quote you on that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't you think it applies though? Like it, the holiday season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I do remember getting to meet you backstage. And of course, everybody was so excited backstage at the K-Love Fan Awards, not just to meet the artists, but to meet the creators and the visionary that is you of this amazing series, The Chosen, that has impacted millions upon millions of people. I mean, and it's a music award show but they also give out a film and a book and things like that. But I watched the excitement backstage around whether it was the chance to shake hands with you and thank you for the work that you've done or Jonathan Rumi, you know, you had your, your people there and it was a really special thing. And so I'm so glad that you got to hear a little bit of the interview I did with your dad, because that was one of the things I was going to reference in, uh, in talking to you today, your dad, in case you didn't know this, he's just a little bit, just a little proud of you. Just a little, <laughs> a little bit. And of course, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. He is so proud of 
the work that you've done. And he was kind of joking about how now he gets to kind of ride on your coattails. And we talked about the novelization that he's worked on with each uh, season of The Chosen. I, I want to start by just asking you a little bit of your roots. Now, for those who are listening to this podcast that didn't get to hear the episode uh, where I interviewed your dad. I mean, your dad is a best-selling author, if there ever was one. I accused him of being on the uh, EPA's uh, most wanted list for the amount of trees that have had to be sacrificed for his books. But, um, you know, an amazing storyteller and writer. Talk about the experience growing up in a home where your dad is is a creative mind, a storyteller, a visionary, and a writer. And how has that maybe shaped the storyteller and visionary that you are now in film form. Yeah, I mean, growing up, my dad was not only an author whose books that I read and enjoyed, but he was a storyteller just in general. I mean, just he he was always the funniest guy in the room. Every time people were over at our house, you know, when the adults are downstairs and they're having a meeting or whatever, or gathering or small group outing, uh, and, and the kids are upstairs, all, all we would hear every few minutes was laughter. And, mm. and I, it was always something my dad had said. And so uh, humor has always been an extraordinarily important part of my life. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very important part of The Chosen. Storytelling has just always been part of my DNA, um, both inside and outside. It's just, it's just, I've just been immersed in it. Now, what's interesting is I grew up wanting to be a sports broadcaster or an athlete of some kind. I was obsessed with sports. And I got that from my dad for sure. And I, I never, I mean, I was a writer in the sense that I, I, I could write just because, of course, I'm I'm my dad's son, and but it was in high school, like late middle school, early high school, and my dad sat me down and kind of started introducing me to great films. Um, and he was like, because I'd grown up in a very, it was a very conservative environment, like I was very protected by my parents um, from media for the most part. But then he was like, all right, you're old enough now; it's time for you to know that I'm a movie buff and I don't talk about it much because I'm at, you know, Moody Bubble Institute and I, you know, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't publicize all, you know, my, my movie obsessions, but let's, let's get going here. And he started me right off the bat with movies like The Godfather and wow. uh, Kramer versus Kramer, Bullet, Bonnie and Clyde, all these just classics. And, uh, and then I saw this movie, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, oh, the Jack Nicholson uh, movie back in the 70s, and that changed everything. I mean, I when I saw that movie, I pointed at the screen. There's this amazing scene where Jack Nicholson, and this is one of the reasons why I probably resonated with it was because of, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. But he's denied the opportunity to watch the World Series at this mental institution because it goes off the schedule. And so he's so upset about it, he goes to the TV and starts broadcasting his own made-up version of the game. And all the other inmates start walking over and and cheering and celebrating with what he's doing. And I was just, I was soaring. I mean, I was just oh, was completely man. taken away. And I thought, whatever that is, I want to do that. Not only was I motivated just by the desire to come up with a scene that impactful, but I remember thinking that young, so there's n so little in the Christian space that is this good. I mean, there, I couldn't think of anything. And I've grown up loving, and now I love movies and TV, but there's nothing for me that represents my faith, if I could somehow arouse in an audience the kind of reaction that this is doing for me, but from a faith perspective, like from a, you know, and, and actually have good news beyond just emotional uh, victory, that could really be impactful. Even at a young age, you were thinking about, you were seeing 
your passions or the the birthing of your passion through the lens of your faith, even at a young age? Like, how old were you when you were having that kind of thought and that interaction with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah, that was probably 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. Wow. It was a response to lack, meaning, you know, growing up in the church and be, being very much a church kid. I, I grew up in Awana. I mean, I was I was a happy Me member of the conservative Christian world, you know? Um, and I, I still am, but I, at the time, there was just so little, even musically. There was great music out there. It was just all typically in one genre, and typically yeah. the word Gaither was in that, you know, in, in the liner notes. Um, and I loved the Gaithers, and I loved Sandy Patty and Larnell Harris and Steve Green and all that. I, it was what I grew up in, but that, that it was that genre. And there was so little outside of that, that both musically and in, in the film or television world that I could watch and go, this is just as good as the stuff that I watch Okay. So on that note, what was a faith-based movie that sticks out in your memory from youth growing up? Because it sounds like, so you're a Chicago kid, right? Yeah, yeah. And I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago too, which is why one of the reasons I was freaking about interviewing your dad was he wrote the biography of Walter Payton, right? Yeah. Which was, yeah. I thought it was such a cool thing. So I grew up in Chicago. You grew up in Chicago. We're both growing up church kids. Okay. I have a movie in mind and I'll tell you, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours, but mine was A Thief in the Night. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that movie, A Thief in the Night? Yep, of course. Well, of course, if you were a Christian kid around that age, everyone, it was required viewing. It was, oh. it was, it was dropped off on your front door. Like, a- yes. <laughs> and I, I, I thought the rapture had taken place every day when I came home from school. If, right. if I couldn't hear my mom's voice right away, I got saved so many times from that movie, a thief in the night. Well, was there a movie like that that sticks out to you that where you were like, where the lack was, ex- I, and not to poke fun at it, but where you just kind of saw it and you're like, what is this? And I could do better if given the chance. <laughs> Well, when you're young, you're not necessarily noticing whether something's good or bad. It's just even the fact that it exists is a victory, and and there was just so little that existed. So we went out. I remember growing up uh, relatively young. I saw a Billy Graham movie, like he had done some kind of PG-13 movie, and so we went as a you know as a youth group to go see it. And and uh, I, I remember very little about it, only that it was a little bit rougher than I expected for a Billy Graham movie, which I think looking back was actually a good thing. Right. But, um, yeah, there was always these little like church, we call them church basement movies, but kind of things that you'd you'd watch as a youth group. I'd know exactly what you're talking church. about. At yeah. church. And, and, and I just remember that, you know, there was a lesson and there was, um, I remember I saw a short film um, where people are going to, they die. They got, they died in a car crash. The group of teenage kids died in a car crash and they, they get to some, I'm not going to call it heaven because it was a, like a lobby where you, where you're just, it's decided whether you go to heaven or hell and they would go step to the left, please, or step to the right, please. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure they were good conservatives. Stepping to the left meant you were going to hell and stepping yeah. to the right meant you were going to heaven. Yeah. I, I'm just guessing, but, but I just, I remember things like that, like these 20 yeah. minute short films. And I stuff totally, and, yeah. Crossing the switchblade. Remember that one, Crossing the Switch? Of course. Now, The Hiding Place was, I remember, a good one and um, a really good movie. I mean, I think that even won an Academy Award, but that was one that Christians really globbed onto because it was, you know, that and Chariots of Fire. Anytime oh, there yeah, was a mainstream yeah. movie that had any that had kind to... of faith in it, it was like, yeah. know, let's get behind this. So stuff like that, but it was so rare. And uh, so it really, at that age, I wasn't necessarily thinking the Christian stuff is so bad. It was like, there's just, there's just none of it. And I remember, so that was a key moment in my life. And then when I was in college and I heard Jars of Clay's first album, and I remember thinking, 
oh my goodness, there's an album that isn't just a Christian version of something better, but that it's actually like on its own, legit good. Like and all innovative. my artsy fartsy musician friends were yeah. all into it. And I remember see, went and saw them. They opened for Smitty and uh, I remember which tour it was, but they opened and there was half the crowd was there just to see them just to because see them, yeah. they were, they had just exploded. And I remember thinking, even though it's just music, it was a life changing moment for me as a believer and as a storyteller and as an artist going, okay, it's possible to do it and to be explicitly Christian, but still legit good. That's what kind of helped refine my focus. And I going, love that. It's really possible. And that's, what's so great about the fact Dan Hasseltine who's the lead singer. Jar is a close yeah. friend of mine and is one of the composers of the score of yeah. Chosen. Okay, so that explains it. So that was a moment for you. That was a catalyst, if Absolutely. you will. Absolutely. I still, I, I tell them that. I've told them that before. I remember my wife and I talked about like putting certain posters on my wall to inspire me. And one of them was a Jars of Clay poster, even though it was music. It was just such a, it was just such a game changer for, for the possibilities that Christian art can that wasn't. That's not to say there wasn't good Christian art. It was just that no. I know be, what you're saying. It could be out there like anything else and be taken seriously. So was that a deliberate move years later when you're creating the chosen and you wanted to and you began to address the musical component and contribution to what the chosen was going to become that you sought out Dan or how did that relationship come about? I met Dan at a, at a like a Christian you know conference twenty plus years ago and just, and I went up, I would, I stood in line to, you know, get him to sign something. And I just told him we had a mutual friend. So I referenced that and, and just told him, you, you know, your, your work has changed my life. And, and, uh, and that, but his wife happened to be there and she was talking to my wife. And so then we just became friends. And so, uh, he scored the music for the very first movie I ever made when I was 25 years old. Um, this high school football film called hometown legend and, uh, jars was probably on their second or third album at the time. And he and I had been friends and I was like, you should do the music for this. And, and it was brilliant. The score of that movie uh, was brilliant. And, uh, and then he hasn't done it since until the chosen, I went to him and I said, uh, there's a small handful of people, less than five people who I just don't believe I'll do this show without. And you're one of them. I, this show has to be disruptive and different and there has to be no rules. And the first indication of that needs to be the music. And mm. you're the guy you have to do the music. And, and, uh, it worked. So he's doing the music along with his co-composer, Matt Nelson, and, and it's the score of The Chosen is unabashedly brilliant. It's unbelievable. It's, that is such a cool through line, and to get to hear that part of it is, is really cool. Before we get too far ahead into The Chosen, I love the words you just said about being disruptive, because, and I want to get to that in just a second, but real quick before we move too far, when you're 15 and you're, you're watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but you're you're already thinking about like, why couldn't I do something like that? But with a message of faith, that tells me that you had already um, made a commitment to Christ in your, in your life. And one of the questions I ask every guest and, and your dad's answer was one of my favorites, by the way, because all these years later, when I asked him to share about a moment when his faith became real to him, he started crying as he shared. And I was moved by it. And I love asking this question. I ask it in the form of what's your blue couch story. And the reason why I say it that way is because I was on a blue couch in the Chicago suburb childhood home that I grew up in turning on the television and accidentally stumbling across a Billy Graham crusade, Dallas. And I asked Jesus into my heart watching Billy Graham. Several years later, I got to tell him how he impacted my life. Of course, as a preacher's kid, I always joke with my dad that I heard his sermons a thousand times, but it took Billy Graham to make it stick. So, 
before we get to hear more about The Chosen and this really special Christmas special that is, I mean, what you're doing is now you're helping so many people find their own blue couch moments and have a moment where their faith becomes real to them. What was that for you? I don't remember that moment when I was a, a little kid where, you know, I prayed to accept Jesus as my Savior. You know, that that happened, you know, I think I was probably five or six, and I don't have a specific memory of that. And I remember growing up just in the church and doing a wana and listening to the Christian music, all that stuff, and faithful. But it was when I was in high school, I was at a Christian youth conference, and I remember the speaker it was named Bob Laurent. Um, he's a guy who speaks at lots of youth conferences and stuff, and he just really challenged us to to just get serious and and asked a question that I think is whenever this question is asked, it always really pierces people. But just you know, what is that thing in your life that's holding you back from a full embrace, a full surrender? And so I was thinking through that. And I just remembered thinking I just wasn't truly surrendered and wasn't tr- you know I, I kind of was still kind of controlling my life. And I remember there was a kid in front of me who I thought was kind of the cool hipster skeptical kid. And he, and he, oh, instead of having a stand up, you know how they always say, if you want to accept Christ, or if you want to rededicate your life, stand up. We were already standing. And he said, if you want to do that, kneel down, which I actually Mm. still to this day think is like a much cooler way of, of doing it. And the kid in front of me kneeled down and, well, I guess I'm like my dad because I'm getting emotional thinking about it too. But he kneeled down and I was like, that kid kneeled down, wow. like that the skeptical kid, the one who's like too cool. And I just like dropped. I mean, it was like, it was like, like just a complete body. I wasn't in control of it. I just dropped to my wow. knees and just started sobbing. <laughs> and, uh, and my, of course my youth pastor who I was one of the leaders. I mean, I was one of the kids you kind of was mentored other kids. And so I think he, I think he had the the presence of mind to know what was happening, to know that like, okay, when one of the leaders is actually having a moment. This is like, he just helped leapt over the, the, the row and like got right down next to me, put his arm around me and was like, you know, just there and saying, all right, let's get serious. Let's do this. And so it was, I think that was the moment when, when I really shifted gears. And then of course there's moments throughout my life that where you get broken, but I think that was for sure the, I was one way and now I'm completely different. You know, it's interesting too, because I think haven't you experienced, if you're a Christian for any amount of time, there's those times where, remember there was a a singer back in the day named Keith Green, and he had this song, you know, Asleep in the Night, right? And he talked about just basically when your faith falls asleep, you know, and one of his lines was, Jesus rose from the dead and you can't even get out of bed. And I remember going, and I just, that always, that convicted me like crazy. But one of the reasons why I love asking that question of people like yourself is because I think someone listening to this, people can just think, Think, oh, guys like Dallas, their faith is always on fire. Their faith never falls asleep. Or, you know what I mean? Like, we, we might be creating these songs, or you're creating these amazing uh, depictions of scripture. And, and yet, at the same time, we're just as susceptible as anybody else, every single one of us. The enemy wants to lull us asleep in our faith. And that's why I think it's so important what you're doing with The Chosen, because I feel like what it's doing for many people who've never had a blue couch moment, never maybe they're making a first-time commitment to Christ, but you're also stirring something in people through every single episode of every season that I feel like is it's a wake-up call for us to see Scripture in a new light and to have a new blue couch moment and, and return to our first love and realize these are not just 
far off characters. These are not just disconnected pages of a scripture that we're supposed to read. This is the word is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two edged sword. And it's designed to give us a wake up call. So to hear about some wake up calls in your life and now the passion that you have creating the chosen, it's giving a wake up call and inviting people to come awake to the invitation that God offers to each one of us to be real to us and to show us his plan for us. I'm curious, what does it feel like to you today from humble beginnings of a crowdfunded The Chosen to know that as of this moment, as I look at The Chosen app, 303, seven, <laughs> I don't even know how to read the number, it's so big, <laughs> 303,753,480 correction 10, correction 11, 12, the number keeps moving. Tell me what it means to you when you see that number or hear that number read to you to know that the episodes of The Chosen have been viewed that many times by people around the world. How does that hit you right in this moment? It's extraordinarily humbling for sure. Uh, it has the opposite effect of what some people ask, like, oh, are you, you know, are you getting a big head or, uh, you know, or this has to feel pretty good to be recognized in public or whatever. And it's a very, very easy to remember truth that got me here, which was, you know, out of my biggest failure. I mean, my biggest career failure is what got me here. And that posture that I, that I found myself in of being genuinely okay with never making another movie as long as I was in God's will and genuinely getting rid of all of my expectations and all of my desires for affirmation and all of my desire for achievement and success all went away. Some, it, it, it had been a, a key part of my entire personality for as long as I could remember it was wanting affirmation and wanting success. And even in just interactions, you know, I was, I was really good at humble bragging, uh, but in a really subtle way that I didn't even feel like uh, a brag. And uh, God took all of that away from me. So I got to a place when The Chosen started, which was, as you said, extraordinarily humble beginnings. I mean, there was two of us, and we started a, fa a Facebook page of our friends and family and then put my little short film that I made for my church's Christmas Eve service on my friend's farm in Illinois, 20 minutes from my house, put that on Facebook and said, we're, you know, if you want to invest in a multi-season show about Jesus, uh, here's how you do it. And uh, I had that extraordinarily surrendered posture and it was real. Um, I, I genuinely didn't have expectations. So when I see the number, this is a long answer to your question, but it's important, I think, to be reminded of, is when I see the number, I'm not shocked, but I would not have been shocked if the number was less than 100. Um, I genuinely didn't have expectations. I genuinely got to this place where my job is solely to provide the five loaves and two fish. And if God chooses to multiply it and and feed 5,000 or however, you know, whatever the number is, that's really up to him. The transaction is over once I, you know, humbly submitted this project. And shame on me if I ever forget that. So the 300 million views and, and all that's happening with The Chosen, it's it's really cool and I love, love, love hearing stories of impact and people's lives being impacted or changed by it. But the numbers, the achievements or awards or whatever, it genuinely, it's not the motivation, nor is it to, to avoid hate comments. I mean, every single day I'm told by someone publicly or they publicly make a video or comment that I'm evil. And you went through this not too long ago. Yeah, um, yes, I did. And I, I, I watched it with interest because I thought, yeah, I'm there right now. Every single day someone's 
telling you you're evil or horrible or blasphemous or dangerous or whatever. And when you get to a place where you're not motivated to avoid that or motivated to get the praise, it is a superpower. And so the number is really just a number. It's a fun thing for the fans to get behind and and it represents something that we as a team are, are, are doing is, you know, we want a billion people. That's kind of the stated goal, which is not up to us, but we want a billion people to, to know the authentic Jesus. But I don't know, it's, it's, it's not, I'm trying not to give a cop-out answer, but it's really just not, it's not what's motivating. It's a believable answer too. And I love what you shared. Isn't it crazy, Dallas? Like when you think about how many, how many times God has worked in miraculous ways, but what happened first, it was like, it was born of failure. Like, and even when I talk to your dad, like there's a through line there. And he even mentioned a little bit about your story of just, and it's just, I think about it in my own life. It's like, what is the outcome when failure occurs? And like you said, like we get leveled, our expectations get leveled. Our, for me, it was throat surgery too, of, of like going, okay, all right, I'm literally unable to use my voice the way that I want to. I begin to hold on loosely to these things that I was once aspiring to. And then I was living and dying by the success or the failure. Yeah. Can, and, can you, in that moment, like when, you, when you're having throat surgery and you're faced with the notion that it's possible that I will never sing again, or it's like, can I praise God in that? Am I okay with that? I mean, without God, it's impossible. But even with God, it's like a Herculean task to get to that place. Um, and if you can... Um, and if, but with God's help, if you can, it's extraordinarily, it's, I'm it's sorry, free. I think I'm going to cut you off, but no, no, you're exactly right. I just, I was thinking of, you know, we focus on Philippians 413. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right. But right before it, Paul's beginning to talk about in any, and every circumstance, in any, and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want learning. And basically what he's saying is like, don't hold on too tightly to these things. But the, the freedom that comes, that's the opportunities that open up for you that are born of failure, when you begin to realize whether this next thing succeeds or fails, it is not going to be because of me. It will not succeed because I was good enough, because I was enough. And therefore, we can't rest our validation on the success or, or failure of the things that the Lord moves us to create. What would you say is your biggest, the, the song or the album that kind of blew up the most that exceeded the label's expectations or whatever? Like, what would that be for you? Gosh, I mean, the first thing that came to mind for me was my very first radio single was the most played song of the year that year. And you want to talk about a way of coming out of the gates where it was a nine-week number one song, and then everything after that felt like a failure. Right. Because it was like... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I can imagine. So yeah, you had a, almost the opposite experience of me. But yeah. I'm, <laughs> of course, you've had you've had your share of, uh, of, of big hits, of course. Uh, but it was just like this moment where you're just all of a sudden the standard was set. And then, then the very... And I, you know what the Lord's given me the opportunity to do since? I've been able to talk with so many other young artists who maybe have a big hit. And then they're scared. To, the pressure doesn't go away when you have a big hit. And I wonder if you could say the same when it comes to The Chosen. When season one blew up the way it did, <laughs> you know, you've already said how the pressure's sort of been dispersed because you had to let go of it. But there's got to be those moments where pressure returns. And because of the success of something, you got a lot more eyes on you. Well, yes, for sure. But, I, but the reason I asked that question was because I'm, I'm wondering in your life, when, when that happens, when there's clearly a song that just has a life of its own. Oh yeah. It's clear that it was anointed. You know, I mean Oh yeah, yeah. Does that 
the hope would be, because this is what's happened with me with The Chosen, it's a reminder that you're not good enough to do that. Like, so when I see 300 million views, I go, I go, well, that's, that's just such an easy reminder that, that I'm not this good because I, I think I'm a good filmmaker and I worked, I've worked really hard to get to this spot to be ready to deliver a good show, but I'm not that good. Like I'm not, it's just such an easy place to be in. Cause you're like 300 million views and you all the things so that are right. going on. Like you're this so is just, right, man. So I'm just wondering if that happens for you too. Sometimes no, you go, absolutely. well, this song, when I wrote it, it felt good, but I'm, I'm good, but I'm not this good. I feel like that every song, but I will say this, uh, there's a song that I have out called truth be told that taught me, and continues to teach me a lesson. And I think it's one that you're living by. It's, you know, when you're baking cookies, you follow the recipe and the cookies should turn out the way the back of the box says they will. You know, when it comes to uh, matters of the heart, when it comes to uh, following your calling for God, when it comes to the creative endeavors as well, you know, it's not about in, in Christian music too. And in any film, I would imagine there's like, you know, you could follow a certain formula that should work. But there's been songs that have shaken me up and helped me come awake or, or, or wake up to the thought of the recipe is authenticity. The recipe is honesty. The recipe is transparency. And so like a song like Truth Be Told was like, I was like, that song's not, I don't think that song's a hit. I know, I think I know what a radio hit is. That's not a hit. It just feels honest. Well, guess what? The song goes out on the radio. And because I felt like I was being the most honest version of me, that's what people want. And I feel like back to the word you used with the chosen, disruptive, honesty is disruptive. And following your passion for the type of depiction of scripture that you wanted to create, I noticed something, I think you posted it today, but it was an older video of you having to sort of re-explain <laughs> the heartbeat of the chosen you were explaining your spiritual background your bible oh, sure, major yeah. and because like you mentioned and you you mentioned criticism i've had compared it to criticism you've had and how we handle that criticism you know i'm sometimes i mishandle it and don't know how to we're all human and there's going to be days where we succeed and and fail but you've had a ton of criticism come at you as you've created the chosen and you've had to explain yourself, but you've also carried a pretty awesome sense of humor around with it. And to follow the chosen on Instagram is a delight. It's a cornucopia of humorous delight when people claim that there's, uh, you know, the mark of the beast in the in the cloaks that. <laughs> and anyways, but speak to that, like you know, you're honest, but you're being disruptive, and it's met with some criticism from people that just don't seem to understand the vision. Talk about how you've had to handle that. So there's two types of, of criticism that we address. So one is the type of criticism that I'm addressing in that video that you saw was actually done over a year ago. Uh, right. We just put it out every couple months um, just as a reminder, because <laughs> there's there's new viewers. Yeah. But it's, it's not as much a response to something as it is almost kind of preventative maintenance, but it's, it's, it's to the, what I consider to be sincere criticism, meaning people who haven't watched the show yet because they're concerned that it's not going to be faithful to scripture, people who haven't watched the show yet because they think it's not going to be any good, people who uh, wonder where I stand on issues because they know that there's LDS folks, Catholic folks, agnostics, atheists involved in the show, and they've heard the rumors that we filmed on a on a set built by the LDS church in Utah. And so, so they're like, okay, is, is this even 
like, is this being influenced? We, we have Bible roundtables with a Catholic priest and a Messianic Jewish rabbi and an evangelical scholar. And they're like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you're, they're telling you what to do or, all right, so I'm going to watch the first season. I'm into it. I'm going to pay it forward or I'm going to support the show in some way. Like, can I trust you? Like, cause, cause I've been burned before when I made the video, it's not like we'd starting to get in huge criticism yet. I just knew it was coming. So the video was a, here's for those friends of yours who genuinely have a concern, rightfully so, because they're just not sure. They just don't want to be burned. The show is crowdfunded and the show is free. You only have to pay for it if you want to. And so if you're going to pay for it, you're supporting future episodes and seasons. You want to have some idea of who is behind this. So that was just me saying, here's who I am. Here's my faith background. Here's who we're working with. And here's why and all that stuff. Then there's the other kind of criticism, which I don't take seriously, which is like when we post a meme saying happy Halloween and we're told, I can't believe a show about Jesus celebrates Satan. And I can't believe you guys are honoring evil. And now, of course, I can never watch the show again. Yes, yes, yes. So that just becomes funny. Like I don't <laughs> like, and it comes at me too. We post, you know, comments where they say, people say things like, like there's something off about Dallas and I don't know what it is, but he's got a spirit of unrighteousness in him. And I think he's prideful and, yes. and they start listing all these things about me. And, and I'm like, oh, we got to post that one. That's just really good. So are you being Behind those responses, is that you, Dallas? Here's, here's what I have. To say. Uh, you you plead the fifth? <laughs> no, I because I, I don't want to ever throw my team under the bus. People will say the admin for this social media account needs to be fired, or I wish Dallas would know what the social media team is saying and how they're responding with such snark or with such sarcasm, <laughs> and, and the whole team just laughs because I'm like, uh, I wrote every caption for these. And I've told the team, like, yeah, how to respond. I just clicked on one, and it was it's a picture of uh, Jesus. And then there's a text thread, which just even seeing that is hilarious, the juxtaposition of, uh, but it says, I think you are trying to do something for Christianity. And then the Chosen's response, we are a series about the life of Christ, period. As a suggestion, can you do something for irreligious people who are living in Europe countries? <laughs> And then, and then the caption for uh, the the post says, we think we are, hashtag chosen feedback. It's just so dry, and I, I just, I love it. My friends, the media is calling it the great resignation. What they're saying is top talent are leaving jobs in droves for better companies. So how do you take advantage of that? With a hiring partner that will help you attract the best people, you need Indeed. Indeed is your go-to hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, this is really cool. As soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can even invite them to apply right away. You know, a lot of people think of me as a musician or a songwriter or a podcast host, but all of that also means that I'm a small business owner. And that's why I've loved discovering what Indeed has to offer. With Indeed Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post, according to Indeed data. Now, you can get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. 
Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash West. Indeed.com slash West. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need a hire? You need Indeed. Guys, Zonder Kids, the Adventure Bible, the number one Bible for kids, makes the perfect gift for both boys and girls alike. The Adventure Bible is available in five translations, NIV, NIRV, NKJV, NASB, and NRSV, and a variety of colorful bindings. Adventure awaits with the number one Bible for kids. The Adventure Bible features captivating full-color features that get kids engaged with God's Word. That is so important. More information about Adventure Bible plus free Bible activities for kids and teaching resources, they're all available at adventurebible.com. Hey, give the gift that will stay with your child for a lifetime. As a parent, I know how important it is to get your kids excited about God's Word, and you can do just that by visiting adventurebible.com. When you share somebody's feedback, don't you find that your biggest supporters kind of handle it for you in a weird way? <laughs> that for sure happens. But we are doing a couple things with this. And I think this is really important. And I think it actually, you know, not to bring it back to what you experienced earlier this year with your song, but I think it, I, I do think it's relevant in that, like what I said, there's sincere criticism, which I think demands or at least should should reasonably expect a response from a Matthew West or a Dallas Jenkins or someone who's responsible for chatter, responsible for something that's causing people to talk and be confused and wonder where you're coming from. So I'm like, all right, here's where I'm coming from. I think that's fair. But then there's a couple of things we're really trying to do with this. And just even today, um, I'll just make this really quick, but today we, we did a post of a scene from season two, uh, episode four. It's one of the most impactful scenes in the show, which is where the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And at some point he lifts him up and he's healed. And, and there's this image of, of, of the man, the actor um, played named Dennis, who's phenomenal. And he's got this desperate, desperate look on his face. And um, we had a picture of, it, of of this desperate look on his face. And so this, this idea was actually my, my team's. Um, they just put it up as a meme and it says, there's no one to help me get my pumpkin spice latte. Some, <laughs> something like that. And um, the caption is, you only need me, you know, Jesus. Oh, gosh. So most people loved it and they were laughing, but there's people who were like, how dare you mock the word of God? How dare you mock this scene that was so impactful to me? And so we are doing something on purpose yeah. with these memes and with these responses and posting the negative comments is number one, we are showing people that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We take God seriously. We take the Bible seriously, but we are a TV show. And if you are watching the show and we make a joke about it, and that offends you, or we show you a picture of the actors on, on set, and we make like a Star Wars reference and because they look like they were in a, and that offends you because you think it's like offending Jesus, you've turned the show into an idol. And the show is now put on the same level as the Word of God, and Jonathan Rumi becomes Jesus to you, and I become God to you, and the show becomes a Bible. And that is not where we are, that's and that good, is not Alice. where you should be. That's so that's good. really important. And so sometimes the mockery and the self-deprecation is part of that narrative that we are trying to make very clear. But also, I really believe, Matthew, and, and I mean, gosh, you've experienced this as much as anybody, but social media has not only become a place where celebrities can get attacked from the safety of someone's own home, 
but we ourselves as normal citizens have such as 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 much of a sensitivity problem as we do a negativity problem meaning in fact i think the sensitivity problem is much worse than the negativity problem because if today we all decided to not be so sensitive and to not be take such offense the problems would go away whereas negativity will always be there so we are trying to set an example to our fans to other people on social media of you need to not care when a stranger says something irrational or untruthful or hysterical about you. You need to not care. You need to care about what someone else thinks of you. And of course we know who that is, but you have to get to a place where a comment on social media doesn't change your whole day and doesn't impact your self-worth. I have, I have teenage girls. Teen, yeah, have teenage girls who, who've, who've struggled with like immense issues and and not clinically or anything, but like with trying to navigate through TikTok and Instagram and, and where their worth comes from. And it's one of the things I loved about your song so much. Um, and so when it got criticized, I was so like passionately defensive of it because of where people were finding their worth. But my, my point is this, that if we're not offended when someone attacks our show and I don't take it personally when some stranger tells me I'm literally an evil, despicable liar or whatever it is, then neither should you be. And if we can take it, you can take it. And let's let's start to set an example for how we not only avoid negativity on social media, but avoid sensitivity on social media and find our worth in the right thing. Those are wise, wise words. And and I, I think the sensitivity part of it then leads to people expecting you to be their crusader as well. The sensitivity issue is something that I think you're issuing a challenge to believers. And I love the intentionality that you're talking about, even because I just laughed when I would see these these posts, like you just said about the pumpkin spice latte. But the fact that you're really you really are calling for people to, hey, you know, not lighten up or don't make this your idol, if you will. And for sure, entertainment and is part of it, too. We're trying to be funny. We're trying to be entertaining. Sometimes we are a show. And so our social media um, consists of, you know, four to five, six posts a day across multiple platforms. And a lot of them are spiritually enriching. A lot of them are intended to be take you behind the scenes and see inside the show. But some of them are meant purely to just be entertaining. Um, but there is, like you said, a method to the madness, especially because some of the entertaining stuff is intended to, to remind people we are just a show and that we are not going to be perfect. And you need to know that. And if a meme about Halloween or a meme of a behind the scenes joke or whatever is enough to get you to stop watching the only show about Jesus that's literally ever existed and the only show currently that's on all, all these platforms and whatnot that that really is is honoring to, to God. If that's enough for that, then then it's probably best now that you kind of learn that and, and stop watching or, or whatever, because there's going to be a lot more of that to come where I'm going to do or say something that's going to upset you. And uh, I'd rather, and I'm not even saying this with any kind of contention. It's just kind of like a look, man, this is what we're doing. And we believe we're right before God and we'd love for you to be part of it, but we're not, we're not motivated by trying to get more likes or trying to avoid thumbs down. It's ironic because we make what we make. I make my songs, you make your, your show and all the things that you do. We, we do make it for an audience, but what we're talking about is how we are being reminded who our real audience is. And the modest is hottest thing that you mentioned, it's like, for me, it was one of those deals where it really brought me back to that reminder. But I had, the criticism was coming in two different forms and it's the exact way that you described it earlier. You know, the type of criticism that did deserve a heartfelt response from me. And I did that. But then there was a lot of 
of those where it was just, I'm writing you off, you're canceled. We want to cancel people. The sensitivity leads to canceling so quickly. And then you don't know how to handle those situations. But at the end of the day, it brought me back to the reality of who my real audience is. Real quick, if you don't mind me saying, if, if you would have like erased the song and said, I'm, I shouldn't have done it, I'm sorry. Or if whenever, whenever someone, especially a Christian leader or an artist does something and then it gets criticism. And so then they pull it off or they, or they stop it. Then I'm kind of like, well, what did you not think about that before you did? Like, I thought I was hoping you were more like you believed in what you were doing or you were more like, and I know you were in a tough spot. You had to do certain things, but I was like, if you end up saying, I regret the song altogether and I'm going to eliminate it from the internet, I would have been like, boy, that's disappointing that you, I would have hoped that in the conceiving process of your music, that you are on the front end considering whether God is pleased or not. And if God is pleased, then who cares what some of the criticism is? Well, so, and that's the challenge. In that particular situation, not to get off topic on me, but I made this video that featured my family because it made my family laugh. But then the way I saw people were grossly distorting these images of my daughters, to be blunt with you, is what made me ultimately pull that video off. So then Christians came after me going, oh, you're a coward. You just caved to the woke mob and not maybe understanding. But you're right. And here's, I think, what's a great lesson is to go, I didn't know how to handle some of the criticism that was heartfelt where people were saying this song, Christians, Christian women were saying this song was a trigger for them that like triggered them in terms of some abuse that they suffered or manipulation that they suffered at the hands of a youth pastor. And I was like, I don't understand the jump here. And I didn't, some of the things I wouldn't have even thought to consider on the front end. I didn't, I felt like it was a God honoring song. I felt like it was lighthearted, good values, but I didn't know how to handle a lot of that criticism. And I walk away from it going, Lord, thank you for the grace, for the reality that there are going to be times where even in a place of leadership, I'm not going to know, I might mishandle how to handle the criticism, how to handle, it was just one of those things where I look back on it and I'm like, man, I felt like overcome by criticism and it did bring me back to the re reminder of who my real audience is, but you don't always handle every situation the right way, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you were in a very difficult spot, like you said, especially because it was your kids. But I think um, the key is, is like you even mentioned certain people feeling triggered and we, we experience that with the chosen often because we're showing things like demon possession or in the case of season two, Mary Magdalene having a yes. relapse and, yes. and, and, and her being triggered and getting, going back towards alcoholism and, um, some of the trauma that she'd faced. And you just have to remember that if, if you, if you literally, I don't mean you, Matthew, I just mean the proverbial you, but we just have to remember that, you know, everything that we portray that is authentic is going to have a triggering response from somebody. And, and sometimes that painful part of it is a exhibit A in the cost of sin. I mean, not, not on the part of the person being triggered, but I'm saying this is, this is what yes, the world is. Yes. And this is the price of sin is that even when we're forgiven, the consequences of sin, not even our own sin sometimes, but other people's sin will reverberate forever. And this is why we need a savior. And so people being triggered is an opportunity for the church to step in. And it's so when I hear someone's triggered by a scene, that doesn't make me go, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. Sometimes it's a, I get it. I get it. In fact, it's this is a portrayal of someone who's mm, triggered. I yeah. get it. So please, please reach out to someone in your life who you trust because they can walk you through this because that's the gospel.
I think that's awesome wisdom. And I wish I would have known you uh, when I was going through my ordeal because, uh, you know, even, but even hearing you share in that regard as it, as it relates to what I went through earlier this year, because, you know, towards the end of every year, I think we, we all sit down and we take some inventory on the year that, because everything goes by so fast that sometimes we miss the opportunity to fully soak in what we've experienced, what happens to us along the way and what God might have wanted to show us if we hadn't learned it already. So even just what you're speaking into my situation, life went too fast and I moved past it so quickly that that really was like a traumatic kind of moment for me. And you're speaking straight to the heart of it and helping me have some perspective. I've also talked with a lot of comedians who reached out to me. Ironically, a crowd of comedians reached out to me and said, hey, we feel for you because this is not a time to be funny in our world. <laughs> so um, I thought that was strangely comforting. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. I'm a, Comedy is a huge part of my life, a big part of the show. I mentioned that earlier. And that's one of the things that I was, I felt bad in that situation. I wish I would have known you at the time because I want to just reach out. And well, just, I appreciate when I was thinking, that, I'm like, well, I, I wish I could reach out to him somehow and just tell him, look, this is like, get used to this. And, and, and this doesn't mean you're doing something wrong, but um, but yeah, it's because it was, it was a great song and it was, and it was very funny and we can't let this world get to a place where comedy is looked at just as looked at as though it's real. And therefore, because the comedy is also real, then everything that you even satire is therefore upsetting. And it's, yeah. So I appreciate that. I didn't expect this conversation to touch on that, but I, I'm sure glad it did. And you've been really encouraging to me before I let you go though. So today, it's December 1st, Dallas. Did you know that you have a special premiere taking place on this day? It just so happens that this episode releasing on the very day of something big that's happening in theaters, and I can't wait to see it. Can you make sure our listeners know what's happening and where they need to go to find it? Yes. Funny you should ask. (laughs) What a lovely question. (laughs) What a coincidence. So yeah, a couple months ago, uh, we decided to make a brand new chosen episode and not tell anybody. We thought it would be a perfect way to kind of tide people over until season three. And also, quite frankly, I, I believed that I I had something to say or God had something to say about the birth of Christ that I, that hadn't been said before in, in this way, at least. And we really wanted to do it. We did a, we did a Christmas special last year. I'm realizing as I say that I was about to make a joke like where we assembled the best and brightest of the Christian music space, but you were not in either one of these. Christmas specials, so, hey, <laughs> hey, man, none taken. I would say I was like, no, I was gonna, I was gonna joke, and then I thought, oh, some people might be offended, but uh, you'll be in, the, you'll be in the third one. I'm, I'm committing to that. Third now. time's the charm. I'll play modest is hottest at Christmas time. No, 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 no. no. Okay. I don't like offending okay, anybody. Okay, we'll move on. But uh, anyway, yeah. So last year we did a Christmas special and and we, it was really great and turned out better than we expected. And so this year we wanted to do another one. And I thought, boy, if we could have a new episode, this would also be an opportunity to, to be in theaters. And so Christmas with the Chosen debuts today in theaters. And one of the cool things about it is when we announced that we had a brand new episode and we announced Christmas with the Chosen was going to be in theaters as a Fathom event, it was originally just going to be there at seven o'clock at night on December 1st and 2nd. And that night, um, when we did, when I did a live stream announcing the, the, the new episode and the, the special, they literally almost sold out of the across the entire country um, those two nights. And yes. the theater chains all freaked out. And so the next day immediately added eight more days. Come on. And 
several screenings per day. That's awesome. And it's just gone completely mental. So again, another great reminder of that God's just kind of doing something transcendent with this uh, that's way bigger and better than we are capable of. But yeah, so if, if you don't have tickets yet, then uh, they've added these screens. So just go, you know, look up the Chosen uh, Christmas special. I'm not going to give you a website because you might forget it anyway. Just look up the Chosen Christmas special. You'll find it. Uh, look at your local theater. And then sometime over the next 10 days, there, there will be a, a screening. And it'd be great to, great for you to see it in theaters with other Chosen fans. Yeah, with amazing performances. And I mean, I, this is awesome. I'm so glad that it's getting blown up and it's more than just those two days. So everybody listening, make sure you go experience Christmas with the Chosen. Go download the Chosen app too, right? Yeah. And people have the chance to take part in funding season three and keeping this going strong. I can't encourage people to do that enough. If you've been ministered to by the Chosen, you can pay that forward. So that's probably the best thing for people to do in terms of interaction is to download the Chosen app as well, right? Yeah. So the Chosen is very easy to find. You just go to wherever you get your apps on your phone. It's called the Chosen. It's the perfect name for the app. And you just go and you look it up and download it. And if you're thinking, I don't want to watch a show on my phone, I don't either. I get it. And the perfect thing is, is that the show connects free and easy to your streaming device. So whether it's Roku, Apple TV, Fire Stick, Chromecast, whatever. And it doesn't require a sign up. It doesn't require an email address. It doesn't require any money. I could go to your house and I could connect my phone to your Roku and you could be watching it in full, you know, high definition, and everything right away. It's really a cool opportunity and you don't have to pay a thing. And then if you love it, if you want to pay it forward and you want to keep going and be able to do future episodes and seasons, you can. I want to say other, one other quick thing just about the, the Christmas special too. If you happen to already be a fan or if you happen to not have have watched it before. This is actually the kind of thing where you could watch it and you don't have to have seen the first two seasons. Well, that's good. To get okay. It. Um, so there is an opportunity for you to bring friends who are on the fence about the show or bring friends who are fans of the musicians who are performing, but you know, maybe haven't seen the show yet. This is a great opportunity for that. And it is a great lineup of recording artists joining you for this special Christmas with the chosen in theaters everywhere. Don't miss it. Dallas. I'm a huge fan. You're a master storyteller, a gifted visionary and uh disruptive in all the best ways. And I'm just like, I really feel like, and you're seeing it, you're right in the middle of it or maybe on the front end, of course, but these moments, these things that happen in our society that, that we've talked about it, that make a lost and hurting world wake up to this bright light. That is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the chosen is doing that in like, this is the thing. And it's so excited to see God move through the vision that he's put on your heart, born of failure. Let that be an inspiration to somebody listening today, right? Somebody else might be literally dealing with their most recent failure and wondering what good could be born of that. And what you've reminded us all today of is the beautiful things that are born of failure, because our God is ultimately the one who knows the plans that he has for us. And when we tap into his plans, doesn't matter how many failures we've experienced, we know that the best is yet to come. The Chosen is living proof. Your story is living proof. And uh, I'm so glad that we got the chance to connect today. Oh, that's awesome, man. That was beautifully, beautifully said. Um, you should you should be a storyteller for a living. Well, he's a he's a cornucopia of delight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, no, thank you. It's such a pleasure, Matthew. Uh, really, I'm also a big fan of yours. And uh, hopefully next Christmas with The Chosen, we'll get a great Matthew West Christmas song. Hey, now it's time for Songs from the Story House. Today's Song from the Story House is off of my brand new Christmas album, We Need Christmas. And this might be my favorite song on the record. Can I say that? And 
you know, I was thinking about Dallas Jenkins and what a master storyteller he is. And it made me think of this song because this song tells the story. It tells the story of my family. It tells the story of the progression of how we view Christmas from childhood to, you know, getting older. And uh, I don't know, this song just makes me feel all the things. And isn't that what Christmas music should be all about? So I'm going to let this song speak for itself. This is Christmas Through the Years, and it's off of my brand new album, We Need Christmas, available wherever you stream and listen to music. Pictures in frames tell the story of us. Mistletoe kiss to young kids so in love Now we look back and smile at Christmas through the years Blink of an eye and the next thing you know Those two young kids got some kids of their own Jumping in the bed Wake up mom and dad Christmas day is here One chapter ends And a new one begins It's growing up and staying young Laughing with the ones we love In a world where nothing stays the same It's Finding some things never change It's making brand new memories All the while remembering The ones we miss and wish were still right here So let's hold on to this before it disappears Like Christmas through the years She's looking down, saying make them count Christmas through the years.
Christmas through the years. He's my dad and he gives good advice, and that's why this last segment of today's show is called Dad Advice. Dad, one of the songs on my new Christmas album is called Christmas Through the Years. And so I thought, you know, for these final segments of Dad Vice in the final month of the year, that we could uh, retrace our steps in Christmas Through the Years, you know, when when I was just a wee little boy (laughs) growing up in the Chicago (laughs) suburbs. And one of the things that I remember... Not so fondly, but I, I, I joke, it wasn't so bad, but at the time it, it felt awful, was the West Family Christmas performance, or I forget what we called it, but for those who don't know, I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but you know, I'm a preacher's kid and you pastored yes. the same church for 38 years in the Chicago suburbs. So every Christmas you would make the whole family put together this like performance for the church. It was actually quite bizarre now that I think about it. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, that that was a, a good uh, a good question. We always tried to do things that maybe would be different, that would draw people to church more, or just give a different slant so, um, but on I'm trying, the message. I'm trying to remember, though. You would make Joel, my middle brother, play the saxophone, Right. Yes. Yes. And he was not. Let's just say he was. He struggled. Yeah. He struggled. <laughs> and then I had to sing a song. Yes. Probably Mary. Did you know or something? Yes, and yes. then Adam, my youngest brother. Adam would probably have read scripture. Yeah. He was working on uh, the saxophone too. And that's right. Times. So maybe sometimes <laughs> there'd be two saxophone solos. And then mom would. Well, she she'd always do something creative. Yeah, she would um, write a skit. That, that you guys would do. And That's right. We would have to do these skits. Yeah, yeah. And every sa- on the Saturday night before the Sunday morning, this we did is what it I want to talk morning. about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we would try to rehearse it and um, it didn't we go would, well. Well, <laughs> we'd fight like dogs. Yeah. Truth be told, <laughs> we would fight like cats and dogs. And then we'd have to get up on Sunday morning <laughs> yeah. and smile. And people pro- were saying, what a wonderful, angelic family. Yeah, and they had no idea that we were in that sanctuary just at each other's throats the night before. That's what inspired the song, Truth Be Told. The <laughs> yeah. truth is rarely told. But, you know, and maybe this is a commentary as, I mean, look, there's the reality is there's probably a lot of families who uh, struggle to get through the holidays without getting on each other's nerves, or we've all got family members that we have a hard time getting along with. And so uh, I think it's kind of a funny commentary on the fact that we're going to be spending a lot of time with family. Some family is going to be family that we have a hard time getting along with. So God, give us grace (laughs) for that. Give us strength and perseverance. But why did you always think it was important for the whole family to engage in that church activity like what what was behind that because i know there was always a method behind your madness well i i think for uh, families it's important that you get your children involved in sharing the message of jesus and as a church we encourage that to all the families we do a children's program every year encourage them to memorize scripture they would dress up as joseph and mary and we'd have the donkeys come and different things like that but hopefully put in their mind and in your mind as well as uh, adam and joel's to use your gifts and talents to we're called to share the greatest message in all the world and even as a child they you can do that yeah. you know from a memorized scripture to a song or 
skit, whatever. Yeah, to get plugged into the heartbeat of Christmas, you know, you can't be disconnected from the world. Right. And uh, and I think a lot of us have been disconnected from our churches over the last yes. two years. Yeah. I've even seen the tendency for our family, it's just like that virtual church kind of never stopped. You know what I mean? And right. part of it's because I travel so much that when I come home early on a Sunday morning, it's kind of blurry eyed and exhausted. And so we watch church, but are we really engaged in church? And yes. so, you know, even though um, I cringe when I think about those uh, West family performances, <laughs> I think it's so important to get plugged in. If it's your local church, also as our ministry, we want to give people an opportunity to get plugged in. And one of the biggest ways you can get plugged in is to realize that being available we all have that talent. Yeah. We all some of some of you say, well, I can't sing or I can't play the saxophone or whatever, you know. But we all have the talent of availability and willingness to be used by God. So plugging into your church, plugging into your community, plugging into our Pop We community. Right now, this Christmas, we're helping, we're finding some individuals and families who have a very real need this Christmas and blessing them with a financial gift. And people can take part in that. Yes. You know, and as a family, you might want to you rally your kids around a cause like that. My wife always yeah. finds families who can't afford to buy gifts, and then we sort of secretly adopt these families, right? And as right. A, you find there's opportunities everywhere. Get your family plugged in this Christmas. We need that this yes, Christmas. Yes, yes. So thanks for teaching me that, even though it was in the, the painful <laughs> form of having to do a Sunday morning skit. So I hope all video content, any video proof of those West Family Christmas specials has been destroyed by now. Oh, and we have another one that you did, Sixth Grade Scrooge, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, that we'll talk a about that day. another time. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Dad. Thanks. All right, my friends, that's another show in the books. I want to thank my guest, Dallas Jenkins. Be sure to sit down and take the time to watch The Chosen series every single episode. Highly recommend it. What an awesome dude and what an amazing talent he is. I want to thank my dad as well for joining me with every episode. Hey, listen, my dad and I have a ministry together. It's called Pop We. At popwe.org, you can share your story. We want you to know that your story matters. You can submit a video. You can write your story down if you want to be an encouragement to somebody else this Christmas. Guess what? Here's another way you can be an encouragement to somebody else this Christmas. Our ministry is doing a We Need Christmas campaign. We found some individuals and families who um, have a very um, a special uh, great need this holiday season, and we're going to be giving a financial blessing to some families who are in great need. We want you to take part in that. We want to be part of a cause greater than ourselves. And this Christmas, let's think about somebody who needs Christmas, and then we can be Christmas for them. So if you want to find out how you can get involved, go to popwe.org. You can click the donate button, and we would love to partner with you as we try to reach a lost and hurting world and let them know that there's hope this Christmas and there's hope in Jesus. Ah, man, thank you so much. Don't forget to get your tickets for the virtual concert that's going to be taking place Christmas week. Use the code WESTPOLE at MatthewWest.com to get your five bucks off. And uh, that's it. Love you guys. Have a great week. And remember, your story matters. Go make the most of the one shot you get at this life. No regrets, no what ifs, right? It's your story for his glory. Merry Christmas. I'll see you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do.